You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Even as that is a future reference, so believers are made kings and priests, or better, a kingdom of priests unto God and His Father. Listen, believers form both a priesthood and a kingdom. And the full manifestation and exercise of these prerogatives, this royal priesthood, are subject to future manifestations. So the point being is, What a future we have ahead of us. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you will rule with Him one day as His brother or sister. That's quite a future to look forward to. Perhaps you feel intimidated by that prospect, feeling inferior to such a high calling. That's okay. We aren't worthy of this on our own. As Pastor Mike will remind us in today's message, we'll be empowered and made capable by God. It's not something you have to provide the wisdom or strength for. You will learn to fully trust Christ to provide those things. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 1 as he continues his message, Benediction and Greeting, the Seven Churches. not called us to wrath, but rather to salvation. And this is God's wrath. He's not going to pour out wrath upon his church, right? He sent his son to die in our place on the cross. So he's not going to pour his wrath out upon, you know, uh, his church. It's rather on a Christ-rejecting world. You see, God's grace is upon us as members of his church, and therefore we are covered by it. We are covered by the blood of of Jesus Christ, and his peace is in our hearts. So these gifts are ours and cannot be disturbed by the terrible judgments which are about to be revealed that are recorded for us in this book of the Bible. So please remember then, we have a hope, right? And therefore, there is absolutely no need to fear. Now, This grace and peace comes from the one, notice, let's go back to our text there. Let's take a look at that benediction. Let's break this down further for you. This grace and peace comes to us from the one who is and who was and is to come. More accurately, a more accurate translation would be from the self-existing one. Now, who are we talking about here? We're talking about Jesus. 
Now, this is very interesting because this is the only place in the New Testament, anywhere in the New Testament writings, where Jesus is described this way. It's really an Old Testament description. That is the self-existing one. You know, this, these, this phrase here, the one who is and who uh, was and who is to come. It's really an Old Testament description. It's the Jehovah, if you will, of the Old Testament. Let me give you a little bit of trivia here. The name Jehovah, I don't know if you knew this or not, is made up of parts of three words. And the three tenses of the verb to be are called into play here. I was, I am, I shall be. A part of each of these three words is put together to form the name Jehovah. So therefore, the idea here is that in the book of Revelation, we find the fulfillment, it's the capstone of the Old Testament revelation. And all that is obscure, that is recorded for us in the Old Testament, all of the prophetical announcements, all of the prophecies, all of the, the, the things concerning Christ in the Old Testament, the prophecies will be known here in this book. Think about it. A lot of the, you know, what's recorded in the Old Testament concerning the Messiah, the Savior, the one who is to come, who hadn't come yet under that dispensation, is now revealed to us in this book of the Bible. But it's all about Jesus, isn't it? And so this is interesting. So this is the only place in the New Testament where Jesus is described in this way. It just is further evidence that the Father and the Son are one. Lord God Almighty. So I I wanted to to, uh, draw your attention to that uh, fact. So Jesus is the one who is to come, who is coming back to our earth as he puts his hand in government, and we'll see that here in this book of Revelation, upon the nation of Israel once again as he removes the scales from before their eyes, and they embrace him finally as their Messiah, as their Savior, but not only uh, Israel, but also his hand upon the world, upon the church, upon the systems of the world. And so this description, therefore, is in perfect keeping with the thrust of this book. Now, also notice, let's consider further this benediction of peace and grace, also comes from the seven spirits which are before the throne. Notice there in verse 4, what in the world are we talking about here? Seven spirits. I'm not familiar with seven spirits. I know that there's a Holy Spirit. What's John referring to here? Are these angels? Well, I don't think so. And the reason why I don't believe that they're angels is because nowhere in the Scriptures is it suggested that grace and peace comes from anywhere else than God. Our peace and grace doesn't come from some angel, does it? It rather comes from God. Okay, so then, what in the world is John referring to here? Well, I believe, and many Bible teachers agree, that this is a peculiar description of the Holy Spirit. Rather, the activities of the Spirit revealed through the man, Jesus Christ, as he comes again 
to reign upon the earth as depicted for us here in the book of Revelation. Okay, let me back that up. Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, right? You follow the line, right? From Jesse, who is the father of David. We know that Christ came from the line of David, right? Out of the tribe of Judah. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. So this is a messianic prophecy referring to Christ, okay? Verse 2. Now, and I want you to notice, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's, the, that's number one. The Spirit of wisdom, number two. The Spirit of understanding, three. The Spirit of counsel, four. The Spirit of might, five. The Spirit of knowledge, six. And the fear of the Lord, seven. Okay? So what's interesting all about this here is that, again, I believe that this is a reference to the seven spirits, the sevenfold workings of the Holy Spirit upon the person of Jesus Christ as he once again comes to reign upon the earth. And, and listen, most Bible teachers and any commentary, reliable commentary that you can get your hands on, uh, would suggest the same thing. So the sevenfold, manifold workings of the Spirit, particularly evident upon Jesus in the last days. Does that make sense? Okay? I don't know. I, uh, there's no other plausible explanation for the seven spirits. And then the conclusion of this benediction, grace and peace, notice it says, came from Jesus Christ to whom, and this brings us to our fourth point, there's a threefold title that's ascribed to him. A threefold title is now given. Now, as it relates to this title, I want you to consider Christ. And under this heading, the first thing that we are told concerning Jesus, this first title, notice, a faithful witness. Do you see that there? Do you see that there? From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. So that's the first title concerning Christ that we want to consider. Okay, the faithful witness of what? The faithful witness of who? Well, basically, if you want to know what God the Father is like, you need to develop a correct understanding through studying the life of Christ. And then you'll be able to draw the correct conclusion. There was a, a moment during Christ's public ministry where one of his disciples, Philip, Andrew's brother, by the way, and this is recorded first in the Gospel according to John. And I guess Philip was a, was, was a you know, little confused about who Jesus was, his relationship to God the Father. And, and uh, remember, he was a Hebrew, and he was seeped in Hebrew tradition. And so on one occasion, he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And so Jesus, responding to that question, says, Philip, how long have you been with me now? I mean, you should have already come to the correct conclusion. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so that's so very, very true. You want to know what God the Father is like? 
We'll just study the life of Christ as recorded for us in all four of the Gospels, and then you'll come to a correct understanding of who God the Father is like. And then you'll come to the correct conclusion. Like God is, is not some ogre, you know, waiting to just beat you over the head when you make all of the wrong choices and decisions, right? Smacking his lips, right? No, rather, God is love. God is forgiving. God is compassionate. God is merciful. God is spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ. And, and so all we need to do to come to a correct understanding and conclusion of who God the Father is is study the life of Christ, right? And it'll dispel all of the misunderstandings that you might have about God and man's relationship to God. But also, let me add, by the way, this is what God wants to do in your life. Even as Christ was a faithful witness, he wants us to be faithful witnesses of himself as well. This is exactly what the Lord wants to do in and through us. Remember when Jesus was instructing his disciples at the Feast of Pentecost, he encouraged them to tarry and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then he said to them, and after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be witnesses of me, right? And uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. And that's exactly what God the Father wants to do in and through our lives. He wants us to be faithful witnesses of him. He doesn't want people on the outside looking in at us come to the wrong conclusions. You know, think about that. That's, that's quite a burden, really, to bear if you think about it. You know, what conclusions are people coming to about Christianity and your relationship with the Lord, what Christianity is all about, on the basis of the way that you live your life and the way that you carry yourself at your places of employment? Uh, what conclusions are your children coming to? And the way that you uh, model Christ for them in your home or your wife or your or your your husband, or, or, or your family members? What conclusions? Or I hope that people aren't coming to the wrong conclusions. So that's what God is desiring to do each, in each and every one of us. I hope we, that we are not misrepresenting him before people, but I'm sure that you're not. So that's the first way. I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, this threefold title... Uh, referring to Jesus Christ. But then notice he goes on here, and the second one is the first begotten of the dead. Now he's referring to Jesus, the first begotten of the dead. Now wait a second, there are other people who had died and were brought back to life. Case in point, Lazarus, right? And, uh, but this reference to the first begotten of the dead is the first begotten of the dead in importance, uh, referring to Christ's resurrection. This is in contrast to those who were previously restored to life only to die again. And such was the case with Lazarus. Yes, he was raised from the dead, but guess what? He died, right? Ultimately, he died. We're not told how he died. We're only told that he died and was raised to life by Jesus, but we're not given any other details of how he expired, but he did. So Jesus is the firstborn 
the first to receive a resurrected body, which is immortal. And that's why, like, for example, in certain uh, texts of Scripture, like Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, referring to Jesus, we are told he is the firstborn of every creature. So, others, because of Christ triumphing over the grave and rising again from the dead, therefore, now, we are able to follow Christ in his resurrection. So don't be confused about this title that's given him, the first begotten of the dead. But then notice, the third and final, it says that he is the prince or the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, his witness and resurrection are now past, right? His witness while he was here during his three and a half years of his public ministry. Uh, He died, he rose again. So his witness and resurrection are now past, but his fulfillment of the role of ruler of the kings of the earth is future, right? Which is going to be depicted for us in this book of the Bible as we move through it, to be achieved after his victories recorded in this book. What victories are we talking about? Well, his victories over the Antichrist, we'll address that. His victories over the world system. Uh, his victories over the future. But however, notice the special emphasis given to what has already been accomplished for believers, which is mentioned in the form of an inscription of praise. It's recorded for us in the latter part of verse 5 and 6. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever more. Amen. So let me share the correct reading in the proper tense of these verses that I've just read. Christ is the one who keeps on loving us in the proper tense, present tense. He keeps on loving us presently. Even no matter where we are or what we're going through, presently, Christ loves us. Uh, So Christ is the one who keeps on loving us, present tense, and who loved us, aorist tense, right? Once for all, in or, or in or or by his own blood, would be a more accurate translation. Let me read it for you again. Christ is the one who keeps on loving us and who loved us once for all in or by his own blood. So, never doubt the love of Jesus Christ for you. Listen, I don't care what you're going through. Well, I do care what you're going through. And I know some of us are going through uh, more difficulties and trouble than some others of us. I understand that. And our heart goes out to you. If there's anything that we can do uh, within our ability, we'll be there for you. Uh, You can count on us. You know, we just want to be the hands and the heart of of the Lord in ministering to your your needs. But listen, God is present with you, and he loves you. Don't come to the wrong conclusion because of the trouble that you're 
feeling or going through or, or suffering. Never doubt His love for you. And just as Jesus has the right to rule, though He is not exercising this rule over the kings of the earth now, so believers are made kings and priests, or better, a kingdom of priests unto God and His Father. You know, there's going to come a a moment, uh, and we're going to look at it here in this uh, book of the Bible. Actually, it's recorded for us in in chapter 5. Notice the heading in chapter 5, at least in my Bible. It says, the Lamb takes the scroll. That scroll is a reference to, I believe, and many Bible teachers believe, the title deed to earth, which was lost through the disobedience of Adam and Eve which was forfeited and presently is in the hand of the devil. But Jesus comes forth and he takes the scroll, the title deed to earth, you see. What was rightfully his from the beginning. But it's a choice that he makes, you see. So uh, again, just as Jesus has the right to rule right now, though he is not exercising this right over the kings of the earth now, but one day he will, when he takes that scroll and he begins to loosen the seals that are contained with, on it, and then with each loosening of the seal, the corresponding cataclysmic judgment upon the face of the earth. So even as that is a future reference, so believers are made kings and priests, or better, a kingdom of priests unto God and his Father. Listen, believers form both a priesthood and a kingdom, and the full manifestation and exercise of these prerogatives, this royal priesthood, are subject to future manifestations. So the point being is, what a future we have ahead of us. It'll blow you away. And uh, we're going to be rich beyond measure. When Jesus comes back to establish his millennial kingdom, a thousand-year reign of Christ, before we pass through any time continuum, and then it's all the eternal now, we're going to rule and reign alongside of Jesus Christ. We're going to be governors alongside of him. And uh, we're going to enforce God's laws when we come back. When the church comes back with Christ to establish his millennial kingdom, we'll get into that. And uh, we're, we're going to be not only priests, but we're also going to rule alongside of Christ as kings. We're going to play an integral part in that kingdom that Christ comes back to establish. What a future we have to look forward to, right? You know, right now, I mean, we're just kind of, oh man, struggling through. But our, our hope is in the future, the, 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 our true future. What a, what a bright hope we have. Something truly to look forward uh, to. Gang, to such a loving and gracious Savior, notice there in verse 6, we can only attribute the right to everlasting glory and dominion, amen. Or the word amen, literally translated, so be it. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, 
please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online at oneplace.com by searching for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you have any questions for us, just give us a call at 212-247-1877. We'd be honored to pray for you too, so feel free to let us know how we can do that for you. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links at harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. There's a place for